When you ask people to pinpoint the most important aspect of their lives, many of us, a great many of us, will give the same answer. Family. So, in a very real way, one of the most valuable gifts we could ever give is the gift of family in the form of foster care or adoption. There's a distinct group of people doing exactly this, but what's surprising is how many of this group say that family isn't actually the most important thing in their lives. Their faith is. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's fantastic to be here. I'm on the phone with James Standish from uh, the United States, from uh, on the East Coast there, the, in the Washington, D.C. sort of area. And James, thanks so much for being part of Signs of the Times Radio today. It's great to be interviewed, Kent, and it's great to chat with you. Oh, that, that's excellent. Now, James, I understand that right now you're very much head over heels in love with a new child who is coming to your family, your, your son. Please uh, tell us about it. Tell us how it all happened. Well, sure. And uh, we have two daughters. The oldest is just turned 15 and our youngest daughter is 12. And this uh, last July, we added a third child to our family. His name is Bo Yi. He is from uh, Langzhou in China originally, and he is five years old. And and we filled out all the paperwork, and man, oh, man, here I am. I'm a dad of three kids now, so it's, it's a big change. People often ask me, so does he speak English? And the answer to that is, well, no. <laughs> he, he grew up for five years in China. He speaks Mandarin. Obviously, now he's been with us uh, a few months. He's just integrated into our family beautifully, and he is a absolutely delightful child. And has brought a lot of joy into our family. We just love him. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is, is absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, look, I remember when you, you lived here in, in Australia, you were working here, a, a colleague of mine for a while, and you were looking into adoption as an option for your family. What, what was the, I mean, you know, you, you've already got two great kids, two incredible daughters. What was the, the motivation to, to go ahead for you and, and to adopt a third child? Well, Ken, it goes back to actually before I was married. I, When I was uh, 26, I just finished my MBA, and my dad was working in Singapore at the time for ADRA. And ADRA had development projects in Vietnam, and he invited me to come and, and see him. And we went traveling to Vietnam together. And one of the projects that ADRA had in Vietnam was a nutrition program at uh, orphanages, so right. I had, I was 26, I was a young guy, I couldn't care less about children, wasn't my scene at all, walked into this uh, orphanage, and there were the most beautiful kids who all of a sudden were looking to me for attention. I wasn't used to that. You know, it, it just wasn't, wasn't on my radar screen <laughs> at all. I'm the youngest child in my family, so I never grew up around, you know, kids looking up to me or anything like that. Yeah. And it was just, it, it just really struck me. Here are these beautiful kids, right? And they just, they, they want adult attention. And so it was, it was later on that summer. And I'm sorry, I'm using a, a northern 
you know, summer seasons, but yeah, uh, it's just easy, easier that way. Yep. <laughs> I actually went down to New Zealand where it was winter, of course, yep. and my wife and I became engaged. And when we got married, uh, we talked about children and both of us agreed that, you know, maybe we should adopt. We both have cousins who are adopted. Uh, she has two cousins who are adopted. I had three cousins who are adopted. And so, and, and, and I sort of talked about this experience that I had in Vietnam, and I just seen these beautiful kids. So time went on, and, you know, one thing led to another, as is, is sometimes happen. And by the time <laughs> that we were ready to have children, adopting wasn't an option for us because we were Australian citizens living in the United States, so we couldn't adopt in the United States because we weren't American citizens. We couldn't adopt in Australia because we were living in the United States. And besides, it's a nice thing, uh, you know, if you can to have children, if, if that's a possibility. So we prayed about it and we, we said, look, we'll, we'll see. If it happens, it happens. I was a relatively old father. I was 36 for my first child, which is, you know, older than most people. Yeah. And so anyway, one thing led to another and, and bam, we, we, were, we were pregnant in no time flat. And our first child uh, was born. Uh, just amazing experience. The whole story within itself. She was born very premature. And so it was quite a traumatic beginning to life. And, and we're just so proud of, of the person she's become. And then three years later, we had a second child. We felt like we, we still had this sort of idea or this, this dream, like there are kids out there. They need a family. Maybe we'll, we'll add to our family. And as you mentioned, uh, a few years back, we moved back to Australia because both my wife and, uh, and I are dual citizens. We're U.S. and Australian citizens. And we worked there for five years. And one of the things we thought was now's the time if we're going to adopt because I'm, uh, in, I've, I turned 50. And it's like a point at which you think, well, you know, uh, if I wait too much longer, it's, uh, you know, I can't really have the, mm. the energy and everything else. Yeah, it's, so it, it's, it's we, now or never. It's now or never. <laughs> so anyway, so we, we, we started looking at it in the Australian context and we actually went to a whole, we went through the whole training thing and there's a whole procedure in New South Wales that you can go through. But what we were told there was, A, if we wanted to adopt domestically, it was almost impossible for us. What we could do is long-term fostering, which, I, which you know, we're, we're 100% in favor of that. That's great. But we knew that we might move internationally because we had you know, previously. And once you start doing, you know, fostering, long-term fostering, you can't take kids overseas typically. And, and, and so it just gets very, very complicated for, for a family like ours. And then when we looked at international adoption, we were told that it could take up to seven years to adopt. Oh, and, wow. You know, yeah, Australia makes it very, very hard. They've really made it very difficult for families like like uh, like mine, essentially, to, to give children a permanent home and a mom and a dad and all the things that go into it. So actually, one of the things that, that, that fed into our decision to move back to the United States, it wasn't the only thing, but one of the things that, that fed into it was my wife and I said, well, you know, what do we, what do we want to do? I, I turned 50. She was close to that. Well, what's that plan for the remainder of our life? Do we... What are the things that we wanted to do that we haven't done? All those sorts of things, you know, not, not, not to be dramatic about it, not a bucket list or anything morbid like that, but just simply what's our plan? And, mm -hmm. and so we decided to move back here. And as soon as we got here, we started working with an adoption agency. We said, we don't care what gender, we don't care what race, we don't care what nationality, you know, just, uh, we, we have space in our hearts and our, our family for another child. And they said, Basically, for our profile, our age, etc., China is the place to go. 
Initially, I assumed it was going to be a girl because you always hear about Chinese girls. But apparently, everyone has heard that. And Americans at least have this idea that they're going to adopt a Chinese girl. So Chinese girls are uh, sort of more under more demand. I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and so we, we uh, so they said, you think, think about a boy. And so obviously we did. Because we already have two children, one of the things that I wanted was the opportunity to host the child beforehand. Yeah. To, to just see how our kids handled it, how, whether, whether the child who we brought over, you know, would want to be our child, right? I mean, yeah, these, sure. these are complicated. <laughs> You're doing something complicated here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we were fortunate in this, that China had a program that we could bring over a, a, a child that we were matched with. Uh, for a couple weeks in the summer and just come and stay with us. Obviously, you have to go through all the security checks and the background checks and meet with a social worker and criminal background checks, all that stuff to make sure that things are safe, which we're 100%. You even have to have the fire marshal come around to your house to make sure that you've got your fire stuff, your fire alarms all there. Wow. I mean, we've been vetted 150 ways. <laughs> you have to provide financial records. I mean, everything, right? So uh, we're matched with this this this, this little boy, the adoption agency called us and said, look, we have a little girl whose family who was going to host her this summer uh, have pulled out. I, I, I don't know why they pulled out, but this, sometimes this can happen, I suppose. And would you host Would you host her? And so we well, went as, from hosting as, one as, child. As well. Yes, as well. So, so we went from hosting one child to hosting two children. And, you know, I, I, maybe I'll just, I'll just tell you this. It's just a little vignette, but I, I, I really believe that God was working in this because – it's quite a lot, just to be very blunt, it's quite expensive bringing children over in this way. And so, you know, we, we, we were at the post box and my wife said, are you sure we want to do two kids? You know, this is, this is double the cost, obviously. Yeah. And we prayed about it and we said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. We put the letter in the post box and we were just walking up and my wife said, how are we going to manage with these kids? We don't have car seats anymore. We don't have, they only come with one set of clothes. You got to get clothes. You got to get car seats. You got to get. We have no kids' toys. Not not for that age anymore. And we were literally having this conversation, Kent. We turn the corner. Okay, there's this family having a garage sale. It's a quite a quite a nice neighborhood. What do you know? We went up there and said it had a lot of kids stuff. They said, "Yeah, we have a little boy, and we have a little girl." No way. And we're giving getting rid of all this stuff and. I literally had two carloads of stuff by the time I was finished there. For a hundred bucks, I had everything I needed for those kids. Wow, that's incredible! Okay. And and and, and, people, and I can hear that now. You just retelling the story is is bringing up a, a lot of emotion for you. Just just remembering that, you know, Ken. Some people don't believe this God, right? Some people don't believe in providence. They don't believe anyone cares for anything. It's a cold universe where where, where people are just thrown out there, and and there's no no one who cares. I'm just telling you. You can believe what you want. I cannot believe that after just having prayed about it together that we come across that. I, I, it's just incredible. The perfect thing. I and mean, we're still using stuff from that garage sale because we, we have enough clothes for, for our son for, for, a long, for a long time. So, but, but the story isn't a fairy tale. It gets more complicated. So let, let, yeah. me, let me keep on going. Sure. So at the end, end of the summer, uh, the kids uh, had to go home to China, back to the orphanage, which, of course, was very hard for, for them and much harder for, for us, really. Yeah. Uh, so I, we had a family meeting. I asked my girls, well, what should we do? Uh, we can adopt 
which which child should we adopt? While while the kids were here, we also had people come and visit and meet the little girl because you know the families who might adopt her and so forth. And by the end of her time here, nobody nobody had stepped up to the plate. Essentially, nobody had had decided to adopt her. So we had a family meeting and we went back and forth. And my girl said, "Dad, we've got to adopt them both." Yeah, yeah, right. It's like whoa. I mean, uh, as you know, Kent, I like nice cars. I did not envisage myself driving a minivan for the rest of my life <laughs> and paying for, you know, in the U.S. college is expensive, paying for college for four kids. And, you know, it, you start sort of thinking it through, private school fees, holy cow, I mean, how are we going to do this? And just the cost of the adoption is like a second mortgage, right? Yeah. So we prayed about it again and we said, look, it's a family, we said, we're going to adopt both of these beautiful kids. They're just absolutely wonderful. We're going to adopt them both. So we went on vacation and, you know, don't, don't hate me for this, but we went to Sardinia, which is you know, an island in the Mediterranean. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a little bit of an indulgent vacation, but I, I got good deals. Don't worry, I didn't spend too much. And so we went to Sardinia and we went to the beach one day when we were there. They have really nice beaches uh, in Sardinia. It's a beautiful place. There's a little Wi-Fi hotspot by a cafe, so we just pulled up our Wi-Fi. And what do you know? We got an email from the adoption agency that said, China's changed their rules. You can no longer adopt both children. You can only adopt one. And, and we're just like, come on, that can't be right, right? Just like a month.